Well, good morning, IBC family. I'm Josh, one of the elders here. It's good to see all your beautiful faces this morning. Um, So this morning, I'm just going to jump right in. This morning, I wanted us to turn our hearts toward God in a posture of thanksgiving as we enter into our Thanksgiving week. And while I know Thanksgiving can be one of those interesting holidays for some of us, um, because some of the enjoyment might depend on how our family operates, whether or not we actually have to spend time with people we like or maybe don't. Um, Sometimes it depends on work. You know, maybe you have to work, you're on call, something like that. Um, And sometimes it really just depends on how much we eat, right? That, like, after Thanksgiving food coma. Uh, Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. Um, But it is good for us to take a week, and it would probably be better if we took longer, but to take some time to remember to be thankful. We too often forget what God has done on our behalf, our salvation through the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. And despite the immensity of this gift, we have to be reminded to say thank you in response. It's sad but true that we are a forgetful people. Since God knows this about us, he has instituted several different types of reminders for his people throughout scripture. For example, in the Old Testament, he commanded his people to create altars uh, to remember uh, it was always in a very specific time and place uh, to remember what God had done for them in that time and place. Uh, one example is when uh, God brought Moses and the Israelites through the Red Sea. And uh, one of the first things they did was they sang a song and then they built an altar because God wanted them to remember that he had brought them through the Red Sea and in the process had destroyed uh, Pharaoh's army and uh, had brought them out of slavery. In the New Testament, we have the sacraments of baptism and communion that remind us of the work of Christ for salvation on our behalf. And that's why we uh, do communion uh, here as uh, Christ has commanded us to do it in remembrance of him, in remembrance of uh, the work of uh, his work on our behalf for our redemption. This morning is going to look a little different. If, if you haven't noticed already, the band's still up here. Um, yeah, and so uh, we're going to uh, remember, um, spend some time uh, remembering God, who God is uh, through his word and how this should cause us to be thankful. Uh, we're going to spend a little more time uh, worshiping him in song and praise. And uh, the band's going to stay up here, and we're going to kind of do this in three parts. Each part is going to focus on a single attribute, attribute of God and how, when we turn our hearts and minds to focus on God the Father and who he is, this should cause us to be thankful. This should cause our hearts and even our very souls to be full of gratitude for the hope that we have because of him. I've been praying this week, and I'm hopeful that this will be a good reminder for all of us, that taking the time to reflect and be in awe of who God is should and will bring us to a place of gratitude. We all know, or at least we should, that deep down we fall short. We're sinners in need of a Savior, and it is God the Father who has made the way of salvation for us through the work of Christ, his Son, and the power of his Holy Spirit working through us. As a result, we can say, in agreement with the psalmist in Psalm 95, 1-7, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. 
For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he has made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship him, bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Before we move into our first attribute, I'd like to challenge us to do something this week. Uh, it might be a little different. I'd ask that each one of us would take an attribute, just one, or a couple if you'd like, um, but take one of God's attributes, pick one today, pick one tonight, and there are many to choose from. Take this attribute, meditate on it, pray on it, ask God to reveal himself, this attribute to you this week, and then spend time in thanksgiving because he will reveal to you who he is. There are many, many attributes. God's holiness, his power, his mercy, his omniscience, omnipotence, and omnipresence, his glory, his justice, his love, his wrath, his imminence, his transcendence, his patience, his perfection. The list goes on. If you need help with this, I would suggest three resources. Uh, all of which are a great addition to any library and uh, just resources that I've found super helpful over the years. The first is Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. And I think many of you have probably heard me talk about that one. Uh, another is Knowing God by J.I. Packer. And another is The Attributes of God by A.W. Pink. All of these are great works and will hopefully help you see God in a deeper and a more profound way. Now we will turn our attention to God's infinite grace. Let's begin in Ephesians 1, 6-8, where Paul says, To the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. So what is grace? According to Paul here, God's grace is the gift of the shedding of Christ's blood for the redemption of our sins. It is forgiving us of our trespasses, our offenses against God, which are many. And this is all a blessing from God that he has lavished upon us with all wisdom and insight. In my mind, grace is unmerited favor. It's getting what we don't deserve in the best possible way. It's being forgiven for the worst sins imaginable. It's being picked up out of the muck and the mire. It's being snatched from the grip of death. It's being made alive while we were dead in our transgressions. It's being made whole when all we deserve is to be crushed into oblivion. It's being pulled out of the pit of depression, anxiety, and fear. It's being set free from the shackles of sin and death. It's being transferred from the realm of darkness to the kingdom of God's glorious light. It's a gift in the truest sense of the word, one that can never be repaid or returned. This gift is free, and it is for nothing that we have done. And it is only because of God's grace and his will to give it to us. 
I think we frequently believe that we're going through what we are, I've, I think we frequently believe that what we are going through, what we are experiencing in life, is really difficult. And a, and a lot of what life throws at us is hard. On one hand, we have to ask ourselves honestly, what have we inflicted upon ourselves? What in life is difficult because of choices we've made that have consequences? But on the other hand, we have to ask God sincerely, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me? What are you stripping, stripping away so that I can be made more and more like Christ? When we ask these questions with a sincere desire to know what God, our gracious Heavenly Father, really wants for us, then we should have hearts full of gratitude. And as a result of this gratitude, we will want to share the grace that we've experienced with others. Paul is a great example of what it means to truly know God's grace and to be thankful for it, and then to want to go and share it. Paul endured so much to pre preach the gospel of the grace of God. He endured afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, sleepless nights, hunger, and shipwrecks. As a result of this, Luke writes Paul's, Paul's words in Acts 20, 23, and 24. This is Paul saying, Except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul counts not just his many sufferings, but his very life as nothing, of no value to himself, in light of what it means to preach the gospel of God's grace. This gospel of grace that Paul talks about is truly the work of Christ. It's Christ's death and resurrection for sinners like us. As Paul later explains in 2 Corinthians 4, 14 and 15, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Those who call God Abba, Father, are the recipients of his unmerited blessing and favor, his grace, because he, in his infinite wisdom, has seen fit to grant us new life in Christ. We weren't merely raised from the dead, but we have been brought from death to life in Christ Jesus so that we might spend eternity in his presence. That is amazing grace. And what does Paul say should be the outcome of this amazing grace? That as grace extends to more and more people, and this is happening through us as we are the ministers of the gospel of this grace, this spreading of God's grace increases thanksgiving to his glory. Amen. Let's pray as we lead into our first time of reflection. Father God, as we enter into this week, may we increase thanksgiving. May we increase gratitude in this season, and by doing so, get to see the increase of your grace in our lives and your grace in the lives of those around us. Thank you, Lord, for your grace.
Would you stand with us? thinking of which of God's attributes uh, to focus on for this time, one in particular came to mind because of the times that we find ourselves in. This attribute gives me great comfort and causes me to be thankful because God isn't as the world is. He isn't as his creation is. Rather, he is immutable. 
He is unchanging. I'm sure we've all heard it said that there are only a few constants in life, and one of those constants is change. Our bodies are constantly changing. From the moment of conception to the point of death, our bodies are growing, healing, and dying continually. I don't know about you guys, but the older I get, the less I like the changes. Hair growing where there wasn't any before, skin sagging where it used to be taut, memory fading when it used to be nice and sharp. The families we are born into are also constantly changing, sometimes for the good and sometimes not. We add family members by birth or marriage, but then some are taken away or even pushed out. The towns, like Idlewild, that we grow up in or, the, or live in are changing. Neighbors come and go. Businesses open and prosper. Some just disappear overnight. In our town specifically, one day there's a beautiful forest, and the next it is ravaged or even gone due to winds, rains, fires. The country we live in is always changing, same as all countries around the globe, and I think we forget this. Sometimes these countries are a great place to live, but sometimes they are a place full of fear, dread, and even death. Earth, our planet, the place we call home, is changing even as we speak. Clouds are forming somewhere to produce rain or even hurricanes and tornadoes. Mounds are being formed as well as they bubble up from under the sea. But these same mounds are also being torn down, broken, and thrown into the sea as well. Rivers are drying up due to lack of water, but others are forming elsewhere where there didn't used to be any. We can stand and look at the night sky, and though we can't always see it, stars are being born and stars are dying all at the same time. Planets are being made, and they're being reshaped, while other planets are being unmade. But do you know what's not changing in the midst of all of this change? The Lord our God, our Father, the creator of all that is seen and unseen, just as he tells us in Malachi 3.6, for I, the Lord, do not change. And again in Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Or as Moses writes in Numbers 23.19, God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. As, has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? The fact that God doesn't change should give us great hope and fill our hearts with thanksgiving. He is not fickle or affected by the whims of this world. Just think about how often we change our minds about things as simple as what to eat for lunch. Super salad. Why not both? Wait. Pastrami sounds good today. Oh, but there's also La Casita, carne asada burrito. Imagine if God was this way with us. If every time we did something that he liked or didn't like, he had to decide how he was going to respond. The amazing thing is that he has already decided. He has already decided that he loves us enough to send his only son, Jesus, to die so that we might have life with him eternal. And only God has the foreknowledge, the long-suffering, and the grace to do this for us. 
his children. And the great thing is he's not going to change his mind. This should cause us to be thankful, even in the midst of the turmoil and chaos of life's ever-changing winds. We should be grateful in the midst of job changes, when we get that promotion that we always wanted, or maybe we get passed over for the promotion we thought we deserved. Changes in the family dynamic. Maybe we're bringing into the world a new baby. Maybe we had a spouse or those dreaded in-laws. Living situations change. Maybe we need a bigger house. Maybe we want to downsize our house. Or maybe, as we get older, we need to move into a place where someone can keep an eye on us, take better care of us. Maybe it's a change in school. Maybe the family's moved and it's a new school district. Or maybe it's changing from public to private school, or even the homeschool. Or maybe it's heading off to college. Whatever the changes might be, we should see the truth that God is unchanging as a blessing and a gift to us, a cause to be thankful. We frequently like to quote James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. But I think we need to take a step back and see more of what James is actually saying here. James 1.16 and 17 says, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So how are we deceived? I think we're deceived to think that when things are in life are difficult, then somehow God has removed his favor from us, or that somehow he has changed his mind and he no longer loves us the way he did before. Or maybe he no longer has patience for us, or that but I think in doing this, we miss the good and perfect gifts that he is giving us in the midst of whatever is going on. If our hearts are turned toward God through his Holy Spirit within us, then we can really understand that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this will bring us great hope. It will fill us with hope, and it will cause us to be thankful that he hasn't ever, nor will he ever, change his mind. We need to take a step back be reminded and see how God is working through the difficulties and showering us with his love, his perfect gifts. And we know these gifts are good and perfect because they are from the Father of lights who has already promised them to us and who does not change. As we enter into our next time of reflection on God's immutability, his unchanging, let us be led by the psalmist who wrote, Psalm 105, 1 through 4. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wondrous works, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in his strength, seek his presence continually. Would you stand? Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever. 
mercies I see. All I have needed, Thy hand hath provided. Great is Thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Summer and winter and springtime and harvest, sun. Lastly, for today, we will spend some time dwelling on God's sovereignty. When we say that God is sovereign, what do we mean? We mean that he is over and above all things. God is subject to nothing and influenced by no one. Without him was not anything made that was made. All things exist from him and through him. And to him. He does all that he does according to his perfect will and divine pleasure. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty. He is Jehovah Ra, the Lord is my shepherd. He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. He is Jehovah Shema, the Lord who is there. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. He is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord of peace. He is Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. He is Yahweh, 
the great I am, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. And he is Emmanuel, God with us. God is exactly who he says he is, and we need to take him at his word, for his word is trustworthy and good. In Isaiah 46, 8 to 10, God says of himself, Remember this, and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. God is who Paul declares him to be in 1 Timothy 6, 15 and 16. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. So if God is sovereign, why should this cause us to be thankful? Because... For those who are his adopted sons and daughters, our Father is the one true God. There is no other. His counsel is perfectly wise, and his words will accomplish exactly what he has declared for us. He is the only sovereign God, who alone is immortal, who dwells in unapproachable light, and who alone is worthy of all praise and all honor, for his kingdom is eternal. This king is our Father, and through the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ, we are heirs to this eternal kingdom, and will spend the rest of eternity with Him. What's not to be thankful for in that? If we call this one true sovereign God, Abba, Father, then why don't we trust Him in the midst of the darkest pain and suffering? Why don't we turn to Him with thanksgiving and praise, knowing that we are children of the Most High God? the only one who is sovereign over all. We should be grateful, as Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Notice how it doesn't say some, but all. We should declare as King Nebuchadnezzar did in Daniel 4.34 and 35, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, What have you done? This is God's will, that we should recognize God's sovereignty, his faithfulness to us. And the result is that we should give thanks in all circumstances whether we like them or not, whether we believe they are good or not. It is really through these hard times, the times of uncertainty and doubt, the times of fear and darkness, that we really should see and bear witness to the fact that God is sovereign. What Nebuchadnezzar declared in Daniel 4 came immediately after he had been humbled by God. If you haven't read this, I'd go read Daniel chapter 4. Nebuchadnezzar was humbled by God, and he spent seven years, the king of the known earth at that time, spent seven years dwelling with the beasts of the field, eating grass like them. He acted like the beasts, and he ultimately ended up looking like one. 
The king had just gone through the most excruciating time of his life, and he came out of it with the realization that the one true God is sovereign. Thank you, Lord, and praise his name. I know it's difficult for us to remember this when things are difficult, when the world feels like it's crashing down around us or there's no hope. The darkness seems to be closing in. I know there are so many things going on, even just in this little church family here in Audubon, let alone the church family globally. Some of the hard things that I know our church family has experienced over the years are difficult things like learning that a loved one is unwell and may not have much time left to spend with us. The loss of a job or bankruptcy. Having to leave this little church, this little town, to take care of a loved one or to be closer to family or even for a job. A marriage that's on the rocks, that's not going the way you had hoped. A divorce and the fallout of a divided, broken family. A cancer diagnosis and all of the appointments and decisions and treatments that follow that. A stroke, a heart attack, and how that changes your life as a result. The death of a parent, the death of a spouse, even the death of a child. I know these things wrench our hearts and they make us sad, sometimes angry or even anxious and depressed. But in the midst of this, let us not forget that we are loved by an infinitely loving and perfect Heavenly Father who is sovereign over all of these things including death. For it was through his son, Jesus Christ, that he has conquered sin and death. We know who wins. Let us not lose sight of that truth. God is the Alpha and the Omega. He is seated on his high throne. And yet, because of Christ, we get to come into his throne room. We get to sit at his feet. We get to call him Abba, Father. Let us remember to be thankful for that this morning. Let us, be rem let us remember to be thankful for that this week. Let us remember to be thankful for that this year. So as we enter into our final time of reflection, let us meditate on the fact that our Heavenly Father is the one and only sovereign God. Let us pray and be thankful as David did in Psalm 9, 1 through 14. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before your presence. For you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne, giving righteous judgment. You have rebuked the nations. You have made the wicked perish. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. The enemy came to an end in everlasting ruins. Their cities you rooted out. The very memory of them has perished. But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne in, for, for justice, and he judges the world with righteousness. He judges the peoples with uprightness. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name 
put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Sing praises to the Lord who sits enthroned in Zion. Tell among the peoples his deeds. For he who avenges blood is mindful of them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. Be gracious to me, O Lord. See my affliction from those who hate me. O you who lift me up from the gates of death, that I may recount all your praises, that in the gates of the daughter of Zion I may rejoice in your salvation. Do you stand one more time? Will 